0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Sound Money Podcast. I'm your host, Steve McGarry, and we're going to be going over some quick data about job automation. It is a hot topic right now, and I wanted to cover some of the raw information that I've been searching around the internet. I've been scouring the internet to try and find out if job automation is actually a thing. I have talked to multiple automation engineers at relatively large companies and uh, I got the scoop. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in. If you guys are tuning in on Spotify, or, uh, iTunes or wherever you're tuning in. Thanks so much. And, uh, also if you're on YouTube and you're watching my beautiful face here and my mustache for November, uh, don't forget to check out my new course that I dropped recently. And the link to that will be in the description below. Thank you so much for all of the awesome enrollment so far in the DMS and the support. You guys are amazing. And thank you for checking it out. So what is going on with job automation using technology? And I have been following this for quite some time when I met a couple of automation engineers three or four years ago. And I was like, automation engineer, that's an interesting job title. What do you do? And they replied that they basically automated very mundane, average grunt work, uh, like basic uh, basic things around the company that they could cut uh, the, I guess, trim trim the fat, I'll say, in an in a aggressive way. Uh, they were trying to eliminate employees, uh, not necessarily eliminate, that's kind of a mean thing to say, but they are trying to increase profit and uh, you know eliminate some of the overhead that the business has. And I have a couple of different charts pulled up that I will link to um, in the description below if you guys are watching on YouTube and if you are tuning in on Spotify or iTunes, Um, or a different platform where you listen to podcasts those will be on twitter if you are on twitter so the wages salaries benefits are all basically just overhead for a business when you think about it they have a certain amount of employees that they have to pay uh, to do a certain amount of tasks and uh, to keep them running and when you have an option where for example for every one robot that is being released into the workforce um, five humans are replaced and when a business is paying wages um, in different forms salaries uh, paying for benefits and having that overhead for a uh, human worker when one robot comes in and replaces five of those and does not require that overhead there is a question that happens in the boardroom or the, uh, the executive suite, we could call it, of the business where they talk about um, profit versus the human capital that is at the business. And this is a scary topic to a lot of people. And I know it's a very uncomfortable topic for a lot of people, especially in like manufacturing and some of the industries that are very much feeling this firsthand uh, very up up close and personal and I've seen it I've uh, I've talked to people that are in it in the midst of watching jobs being automated and a lot of people just tend to not think that their job is something that a robot could uh, take over so there was a study that was done it's considered a landmark study I think landmark is a little bit of a buzzword but it, it was a big study in 2017 where uh, a couple of economists went through, and it was published by MIT, I believe, and they came up with some raw stats about what happens when a robot goes into the workforce. That was where I got the, for every one person, there is about five, uh, for every one robot, sorry, there's about 5.6 workers. So almost six people are being replaced by one uh, robot. And this is not including software or AI, just keep that in mind, like the the rate at which we are innovating in software and artificial intelligence. That is a whole nother ballgame. This is this is just talking about robots and like manufacturing uh, facilities and oil uh, markets and stuff like that. So um, the, the the total population is being hit and robots have quadrupled by uh, in the last probably 14 years or so, they've gone from 360,000 to 670,000 uh, jobs have been erased from that, that growth. Uh, and we are seeing some pretty negative, negative projections here. Now, I don't want everybody to freak out or anything. And I don't want to be a, uh, what's it called? To, a fatal Taking a fatalistic approach to this but um, the loss is looking at right now at that rate in which we're, we're erasing jobs. Like I said, 360,000 jumped um, to 670,000 jobs were erased over the last 14 years from automation and that's growing rapidly. It's looking like we're projected to lose 3.4 million jobs by 2025. Now we're coming into the tail end of 2019 when this is being recorded. And uh, that's five years from now. So in five years, we're projecting that we're going to jump by about three million jobs being obliterated by automation through robots alone, not incorporating, uh, you know, AI and the rate that that's going to not exponentially grow job replacement. So um, it looks like alongside depressed wages of up to 2.6% and a drop in the employment to population ratio of up to 1.76 percentage points. It is looking pretty bleak in places uh, that are very heavily, heavily reliant on manufacturing facilities. When we see wage growth going down and people are competing against these very low overhead, low cost machines, it's a, a zero-sum game. It's a very dangerous game to get into when you're racing to the bottom with something like a, a robot. So for example, in Detroit, nine robots per 1,000 workers. So just to say that again, nine robots doing the job of 1,000 workers. That is a, uh, a massive, massive replacement. And I've talked on the podcast before about super lean or hyper lean companies. I worked at one for a while. It was a lot of fun. Uh, The fact that eight people could be generating millions of dollars on the internet using software, various different softwares doing the job of 100 people was remarkable. And I got to experience that firsthand. And I think that we're seeing that on all across the board on all industries, you know, that was in a tech industry in a, in a, um, actual physical product that we were selling, but it is a remarkable thing to, to witness firsthand where you're a remarkable thing to witness firsthand. So the, the future dangers, um, it says in the U S the most cited estimates is the loss of half of all existing jobs by the early 2030s. So that is about 10 years from now, half of existing jobs. So in a room full of 10 people that are currently employed, half of them will be unemployed uh, in theory, or their jobs, I shouldn't say unemployed, their jobs will be uh, automated if it is currently um, in one of these categories here, so we're 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 gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about a solution here in the future. Um, I, I wanted to go through some of the bleak parts first <laughs> because it's important to go through this step by step, and just just to share my perspective on this after I go through the data is is gonna be um, pretty key here. So uh, where 79% of eligible workers aged 25 to 54 were employed, expect that to fall 69% or below. The economy simply does not need the number of people in it currently employed with the technology we are already have available. So I wanna talk about the oil industry right before I give my, my thoughts on this entire concept as a whole here. So the oil industry rig count is up employee count is down dramatically over the last probably uh three or four years we're seeing rigs go up and employees are being automated away at an alarming rate because the um what once took a crew of 20 now takes a crew of five effectively so the application of new technologies to oil drilling means that 440,000 jobs in the global downturn, as many as 220,000 of those jobs may never come back. Now look back on the chart and that is over two years. So this is a chart that shows that uh, the rigs are going up and the employee numbers are going down. And that number is separating over the course of two years, and that is <laughs> that is pretty pretty terrifying. On top of that, when you add in the uh, the price of oil, so they do it by barrel. If you guys are brand new to the oil industry, they do it by barrel, and um, it is. It's no longer under $30 a barrel. It's at, I believe, uh, over $50. I could be wrong. I don't monitor the price of oil that closely, but um, basically if the price of oil goes down and we are seeing a lot of people go to things like Tesla and things that don't really uh, require uh, as much oil, I'll say, and they are electric and uh, oil is becoming a little bit less of a hot commodity. I think that we are going to see with you know, people that are very aware of climate change and stuff like that, we're going to see a lot of that demand and that price go down. Um, and that is even more of a compounding hit to these oil jobs. And I, I can't help but say in the next recession that's coming at some point, whether it's Two years from now, next month, whatever it is, that is going to make this uh, productivity growth growth is going to take a massive hit, and we're going to see a large-scale amount of drop-off in the workforce. In you know the recession in um, the in 2008, we saw people exit the workforce altogether and just not come back from the workforce uh, after they took their massive plunge. And when we're, to, when we're talking about 3.5 million jobs lose lost in the next five years, that's an astonishing amount, guys. I, I want everybody to just take a deep breath and think about that. Um, and I, I really can't can't really. There's no way to look at this without thinking that it's a direct threat to not only the economy but the way that we look at. Um, employment, we look at job growth, we look at GDP, we're looking at a huge chip into that a huge, huge impact into that as a threat to a lot of millions and millions of people. And not including, you know, some of the industries here that are pretty obvious, like your truck driving industry that Andrew Yang, the presidential candidate always talks about. Those are very much going to be automated. That's like a little over 4 million people uh, all across that are reliant on the truck driving industry. And uh, as someone that worked at a logistics company myself, that would be pretty much flip flip things upside down for a certain period of time. Because logistics companies and uh, supply chain run everything in this country, like anything that you're purchasing came on a truck in some way, shape or form. One way or another, anything, this shirt, these blinds behind me, the couch I'm sitting on, the rug, the floor, the paint, everything, uh, came on a truck in some way at some point in time. The logistics industry is massive and vital to everything that we do in the economy. And I think that when we're watching, you know, 13 to 20% job loss in the manufacturing space, I think that that rate is going to be astronomically higher in the um, the logistics space once automation hits that because we're we're looking at erasing a vast majority of those jobs and a lot of people aren't talking about this and i know that when a presidential candidate comes out and starts talking about how this is going to affect the economy and that it is a threat a lot of people ask that question is it actually a threat are we in danger of losing all these jobs what's going to happen when people lose their jobs um you know what's for breakfast (laughs) people are always people are always going to be asking themselves questions when a problem is presented and um, the difference between something like a um, you know me going through all of these these problems and i'm going to talk about solutions potentially is with someone like Andrew Yang, he presents that a thousand dollars a month will support and put a floor in for these people that are going to be losing their jobs to automation and taxing the companies that are going through this automation revolution. And the people that are erasing the jobs basically need to pay to help the people that they're putting out of work. And I think that that is a fundamental, important part to this conversation is that if you're Amazon and you're pulling billions of value out of the marketplace and firing thousands of people and shutting businesses down all over the entire country, there has to be checks and balances there in the form of, um, you know, subsidizing the people that you're putting out of work. You don't get to just completely strip, strip down everything and then not have to pay taxes or anything on that. So on top of that, you know, you have, Amazon making $10 billion in profit and paying zero in tax. I touched on the zero in tax, but that's actually true. $10 to $11 billion in profit this year in 2019 and $0 in uh, taxes paid to the country. So that's a hit that we are taking currently and we need to do something about it. So the solutions. Now that we've gone over the data, we've talked about over 3 million jobs going to be Obliterated by 2025. And this is from a study that was about two years ago when that report came out in 2017. So we're riding on that data right now. And that alarming amount of jobs is is getting greater by the day. So, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? What are our options? So, As I mentioned, the presidential candidate, Andrew Yang, he brought up UBI, universal basic income, where everybody gets $1,000 a month. I think that this is decent. Uh, It is a part of how the problem could be addressed. Now, I have heard of and discussed potential other solutions. And one that I like is that uh, we know that retraining has been difficult for people, but, um, I don't think that money will solve everything for people. They need drive. So something that I've been discussing with a few people was potentially allowing people to pick a new career path every five to 10 years. Now that is just open for everyone's interpretation, whether it's 10 years, I think 10 years is probably a better number. And this was actually presented by Naval Ravikant, the well-known angel investor and billionaire in Silicon Valley where every 10 years you get to pick a new profession and you get it subsidized by the government they pay to put you through school so you don't have debt you get to learn a brand new trade a new skill and start a career after 10 years so in theory over the course of your life if you are planning on retiring which i think our generation is very much going to be uh referring to it as rewirement where you're going to be working Uh, in some way, shape, or form, given our access to the entire world now on the internet. I think that it is a really great solution. So every 10 years, start a new job, government pays for it. And I do think UBI is a good way of helping people and boosting our consumption uh, as an economy, because that goes up into the economy. It just siphons completely back up and helps small businesses and whatnot. And people can actually... People can actually address some things that they wanted to do in the past, Um, like, you know, starting a podcast or starting a blog or doing more creative things, because with creative outlets, as I've mentioned on the pod in the past, creative outlets always create different outcomes. For example, my podcast is relatively small to mid-sized right now, and Joe Rogan is the biggest podcaster in the entire world. And uh, those are not the same. We do not get the same outcomes from those our two podcasts because we have creative differences that we are putting in as inputs. So output is different. Joe Rogan has incredible content and I'm just getting started. (laughs) So I think it's important for everyone to realize that creative spaces are going to be the future. Uh, That is how we communicate amongst ourselves. And I think that until AI can develop and copy the brain, which is not happening anytime soon, I don't think that that will happen in my lifetime. I could eat that those words uh, when I'm like 80 years old and look back and say, "Wow, uh, wow, Mr. AI robot, that's <laughs> helping me as I'm laying on my deathbed. Thank you uh, for for servicing me and being the exact same as me as an artificial intelligence." Um, but anyways. That is something that's a potential solution, guys. UBI, I like. Uh, I like allowing people that floor because we are going to see massive, massive job loss that people are not anticipating based on the growth rate of technologies going into the workforce. Uh, This is, it's like a rapidly growing parasite, (laughs) I'll say, within the workforce. It's great for business because they're cutting their bottom uh, or their, their, they're increasing their bottom line they're helping um, they're sorry they're decreasing their amount of overhead and increasing their profit because they are able to have one robot for six employees um, as just setting them off laying off six people replacing them with one and that's even worse for things that people don't talk about like Wall Street. I mean there's there's hedge funds now that have one developer for hundreds of traders. That used to be there and now they're gone. So it's happening at an alarming rate. It is a threat to the economy uh, as a whole, given job loss is not going to be good uh, for purchasing power, for productivity. Everything that we currently measure as GDP is not going to be good when we obliterate millions upon millions of jobs. And I know that businesses are just trying to profit. Uh, so it is, on them to do that but as a uh a citizen in a country it is pretty much our obligation to try and try and help the (laughs) the country survive and keep on going past another industrial revolution so i do think i do think uh things like a freedom dividend from yang is a good idea uh i do think that allowing people to change their careers every 10 years with a um a you know a actual education paid for by the government don't go into debt for it but every 10 years people are allowed to learn a new skill set and a new job if they want or if they've been put out of work we replace and retrain and help you learn something that you've always wanted to learn like if if you wanted to learn pottery you just got laid off from your manufacturing job and you've always wanted to make pottery <laughs> the government could put you through a course on how to start a business for your pottery and you can make pottery start a small business on the street they would help you do that um, and by street I mean Main Street like as in down your downtown area wherever you're living and actually sell goods so that is my my overview of is this actually a threat is automation of jobs threatening our economy? and yes uh the answer is yes it is um at at an alarming rate so that is it for this episode i hope you guys like the potential solutions comment below let me know on twitter or instagram wherever you guys are getting in touch with me and definitely let me know what you guys think about uh, we can't keep ignoring these types of issues they are very 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 big and um i think that a lot of it is kind of going under the rug because businesses are operating as usual and uh, people are, you know, definitely operating as usual, meaning they're increasing their profits and trying to drastically decrease their amount of employees. And, uh, it's dangerous. It's definitely a dangerous game as an economy to do that and throw in a recession and you got a whole tornado of problems. So it's worth the conversation. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, like the podcast. Thank you so much for all the support. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Sound Money Podcast.